we're back with another episode of Welcome to the Table. My name is Khalil. My name is Sean. And this podcast, if you're new to the show, is all about really equipping disciples for this cultural moment, looking at uh, church history and spiritual disciplines and all the different things that factor into helping us be faithful followers of Jesus in this day and age. And we have a really exciting conversation with a really fantastic guest, uh, all centered around the topic of discipleship. So our guest today is Darren Poe. Yeah, so Darren uh, would be, in my opinion, the National Director of Followership mm. for the Assemblies of God Student Ministries. So, um, Is Darren, that his title? I don't know. Actually, I really don't know his title. It's something with discipleship. I would really like to change it to that. That would be awesome. I would be honored. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I know that Darren does, He, you, you do all kinds of things in terms of at national level, mm-hmm. but you're specifically to resource uh, youth pastors, direct uh, um, those who are in my position, district directors to disciple, help disciple teenagers all across our nation. Uh, it's not the only thing you do, but, uh, Darren and I though met a little over a year ago mm-hmm. and, uh, right away I found out that, uh, this guy is somebody I really want to kind of be around. And so yeah. Darren, you were, you were the district youth director for Southern Missouri district, uh, of the assemblies of God, which is our, which is our denomination, our fellowship. Mm-hmm. For like right. fifty years, right? Was it something like that? <laughs> a little, a little less than that. A little, le- little less than half of that. So like tw- uh, twenty three years. Twenty three years. Wow, that's awesome. Longevity, man. That's really cool. longevity. So why don't you tell us a little bit? Unless I just told it, a uh, little bit about yourself. Something fun. Uh, something unique that uh, our listeners can get to know you uh, a little bit better. All about. right. I love the fact that you talked about followership because I'm on this big kick of leadership and followership right now mm-hmm. and how really discipleship takes place in the midst of all that. So I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit, but mm-hmm. I can say I first got into leadership when I lost the presidency of my sixth grade class. Oh. Like that's when I started getting interested in leadership It's when I lost. Wow. So little known fact, I lost to Sherry Irby. Still just a little bitter. I remember her name for sixth grade president, Highland High School, Highland Elementary School. Wow. So little known fact. I'm so sorry. That's a bummer that you lose to a a young lady named Irby with her last name Irby. Like Kirby. Remember Kirby? That video game? That video game. It fueled my passion though for leadership. For leadership. Wow. Started young. Well, uh, why don't you just, let's get, let's kind of kick the door in a little bit here. Why don't you kind of talk to us Mm -hmm. a little bit from your perspective of the state of discipleship within the church in the West, or this particularly in America, Um, or or you could even talk about a definition of it. I was going to say, let's start maybe with. define that. Yeah, what exactly is discipleship, and then what's the state of it would probably be helpful. Yeah. That's great. I know we've just gone through a process at the national office talking about discipleship and things like that. And if I was really prepared well for that, I would have that, that open right now and I could read you the text that we all came up with. But for me, I try to keep things really simple. So for me, a disciple of Jesus is just a fully devoted follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's simple, fully devoted follower of Christ. And so then discipleship is that process of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ. So that's that's my definition. I just try to keep it really simple for me because that's kind of the way my mind works. Mm, nice. So. nice. Yeah, and I know... And... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
All right. I was just going to say disciple also has to do with discipline and this idea of being students as well. So disciples might also be students of Jesus too. Just Absolutely. I love that. Hmm. I love that. And you mentioned uh, the state of discipleship and kind of what I perceive. And um, I I realize I've been in Springfield uh, for a long time, born and raised in Bakersfield, California, but moved to Springfield, Missouri to go to Evangel and then never left the city. So I was a youth pastor here, district youth director here. Now I'm at the national office. Um, So I know this area and I know, know Springfield and Southern Missouri pretty well. Just now, you know, traveling a little bit outside and getting to know other places of our country and, and what districts are like. And so when I talk about the state of discipleship, I feel really comfortable talking about this area, a little less comfortable talking about others. But in talking to leaders from across the country and district directors and youth pastors from across the country, I think I would have to say um, that the state of intentional discipleship is very poor. Um, and so in my mind, that makes discipleship, um, something that's not being practiced near enough, uh, these days. I don't, I don't believe we're, I don't believe we're practicing biblical discipleship like scripture wants us to, like Christ would want us to, like Christ really set the example in his disciples following him. So, uh, so that's one of the reasons that I am passionate about this, uh, this topic of discipleship or followership, um, because I believe that the more we talk about it, the more somebody's going to catch on to the idea and start making it happen for them. And uh, really hoping that we can disciple a generation of students to disciple a generation of students to disciple a generation of students, because you're not fully a disciple unless you're discipling somebody else. I believe that too. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, I would concur with that. Um, of course I'm a little bit younger than you and I don't, I haven't traveled quite like you have. And so I think I wasn't sure what I was expecting you to say, but for you to say what you did was very profound. And I don't want us to go past that Mm -hmm. too quickly. Intentional discipleship or apprenticeship or followership is being done poorly, Mm -hmm. I think that is a, it's a very, I think those words were very strategic. They were. And as, as you said them again, I might backtrack a little bit on that and just, I don't know that discipleship is taking place. Mm -hmm. So it it might not, I guess it's being done poorly because it's not being done very much at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, I just don't think I don't because discipleship happens in relationship. And I just Mm -hmm. don't think people are being intentional and serving others and making disciples that way. So so I I guess that is accurate. But I would just even say more so that I just don't think true discipleship is happening much at all in in the church and in our world of church. Yeah. So as I hear that, it made me think, Okay, you know, kind of compare and contrast like what? What do you see kind of happening today? And then would you, could you help us get a framework for that? Because the word, the word discipleship has been thrown around a lot, a lot. And um, I, when we, we just discussed uh, a definition or two for discipleship, but I've heard so many different definitions of discipleship. And then you said that it's not being done, you believe, according to the way it should be done or is demonstrated in the Bible. So would you help us understand a little bit of that and like kind of what, 
what we see in scripture that, that maybe is our framework for what discipleship should look like for us in America today? Yeah, I'll try to unpack that a little bit and I'll just give you guys the liberty to jump in at any point in time and sure. just, and, and make comments and say something. Um, yeah. So it really, it really started happening about two and a half, three years ago when I got a phone call uh, to come to the national office and, and take on this role of it's, it's actually called national. It's called the student discipleship director. Okay, and so good. discipleship is, is in the name of it. Mm. And um, I really started, I'm like asking myself questions. Like, am I being a good disciple? Mm. Am I discipling others? What's going on is what's the state of discipleship? Cause we really started asking that question in the building, you know, at our offices at about the same time. So I've been on this journey and for me, um, my go-to place, uh, really isn't the, the most recent podcast, although, man, the table podcast is incredible. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not the newest leadership guru or anything like that. Yeah. Like for me, especially when we're talking about discipleship, I had to get back to the scripture. Mm. I had to really go to the Bible and see what example was being set um, for us, the framework that was set by Christ when he called the first disciples. And so, uh, so I, I went to Matthew chapter 4. There's a lot of places you could go, the same story, but it's Jesus calling James and John and Peter and Andrew to come and to come and follow him. So I think most of us are probably familiar with that scripture, um, but it's, it's Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 22. And there are really, uh, I'll say six steps or pro in the process of discipleship, but Really, I kind of made it into seven because it's God's number and I didn't want to stick with six. So I uh, kind of added a seventh one. But I just I think there's a process that each one of these steps that's taken isn't it's not just a one time step. It's a daily like each one of these. We find ourselves in this process every day at maybe a different location at a different place. So I'll just kind of throw them out there and we can talk about them uh, as we're going on. But the first thing Jesus says uh, to, to Peter and Andrew is, uh, come. It's the very first thing he says is come. Uh, it wasn't a demand or a command. It was an invitation. And so I think, uh, discipleship starts with an invitation. Mm -hmm. Somebody that has, I mean, Christ is the first one that invited those young men to follow him. But we have to invite other people into a discipleship relationship. So, you know, what do you think when you get invited to something, when you receive an invitation? What's like your first reaction? What do you guys think? I'm just glad to be thought of. Excited. Valued. It's nice. Especially if it's a party. Right. Mm. With food. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you get an invitation to something, it, it makes you feel special. It makes you feel wanted. It makes yeah. you feel included and involved. And uh, I have to think that based on the disciples, these first disciples' response, they knew of Jesus. They were familiar with him. They'd maybe heard about his teaching. Maybe they'd heard him before. And so this rabbi comes along and literally says, come. Like he invites them to come and follow him. So I think it all starts with an invitation and, and we have to be intentional. We have to invite people into this discipleship process, yeah. just like Jesus did. We can't just turn around someday thinking that we're leading people and nobody's behind us thinking that we're doing discipleship. We have to intentionally invite people into that relationship. And so that it starts with an invitation, 
but that invitation required an action. Jesus said, come and then do what? Follow. Like they had to do something. They had to follow Jesus. And um, it's pretty easy thing to do. I mean, we learned that concept when we were kids, right? We learned the song and all that mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just, we're, there's somebody in front of us and we're, we're following them. Mm-hmm. We're going where they go. And really what Jesus was saying as a rabbi in those days was as he was saying, follow me, he was become like me. Yeah. Not just, not just go everywhere that I'm going, but talk like I'm talking, think like I'm thinking, act like I'm acting. And, and that's, and he really had a confidence in his followers by inviting them to come and follow him that they could do it. Mm-hmm. So they had to feel a little special with that invitation, but they still had to leave their nets and go and follow Jesus. They still had to act on that. And I think every day, you know, we're being invited into this relationship by Jesus, mm-hmm. but every day we have the choice whether we're going to act on it or not. Mm-hmm. Are we going to follow or are we not going to follow? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and you mentioned it before, Khalil, discipleship, I mean, one of those base words there is discipline, you know, that idea of disciplining ourselves. Scripture tells us, hey, no discipline is pleasant at the time, you know, but if you keep being trained by it, there's going to be some fruit in the end. There's be a harvest of righteousness and peace. And so, uh, but they were still by acting out, by following Jesus, um, it required, that invitation required an action. And, um, and so we need to remember to just do that every day, choose to act like a giant disciple, choose to follow Jesus. And then that action really required submission. So that's like kind of the number three area in the process. So there's an invitation to an action, but that action required submission. So Jesus says, what come follow me. Mm-hmm. So those, those young men had to, submit to Christ. Those young men had a plan for their lives. They were going to fish. They were going to do all these things. But by following Jesus, they submitted to his authority. They submitted to his will. They just submitted to his ways. And so, uh, so they had to submit themselves. And I think that's a very important part of the discipleship process. Right away. Sorry. about. I just thought, yeah. I don't know if I'm the only one, but when you said submission, I went, oof. Mm. I, f- I felt it. Like, and then Scary it, word. I don't know if, Sean probably didn't. You were probably just no, fine with that. But it just made me think how many how many of us even just suddenly st- struggle right there yeah. um, in yeah. this process. And we haven't even gotten that far into it. And that one already hit me. So, True. Well, and that's the thing. And I, you know, I, anybody that knows me knows better, but like, I I am I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching. I have it. I have not perfected it for sure. But like even backing up, one thing that I was thinking about um, as I was preparing for this is so many times we talked about the state of discipleship in the church today. How many times in the church do we just stop at one? Mm-hmm. We make an invitation, and, and then we just let it sit there. You know, there's no. There's no request for action, and I'm not talking about mm. praying a prayer or coming to an altar, but but there's stuff that we have to do as a result of it. But yeah, once we take that action and we realize that it requires submission, that's even a bigger, you know, that's even a bigger stumbling area, I know, for me. Because, yeah. I mean, we are, I'm, I'm wearing my, 
I guess they're my AirPods, but we're the i i generation iPhones and iPads and i all these things, and um and we know that that has been fostered by this culture, and um in the church, uh, we've got to counter culture with that thought of if you're going to follow Christ, it's it's you're going to submit to Him, and you're going to follow Him. You're not going to you're not going to always get to do what you want to do and go where you want to go and say what you want to say. Mm. And uh, I think we think we have that right today. And I know that maybe our government guarantees us some of those kinds of things, but uh, we don't, we're not following the president, Mm, (laughs) you know, we're following the savior. So Eugene Peterson says, Eugene Peterson says that we think that freedom is the ultimate achievement. Really what it is, is we need, um, to pursue, we need a better master is basically what he, what he says. We all have a master. Um, we get to choose who that master is in some sense. Some of us don't and, or some of us have, you know, in, in the world, we, there's a lot of atrocities and things like that. But that's, I think where the submission word can kind of bring some bad imagery, mm. but in reality it, it it's so important. In, yeah. 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 We could, we could go into that imagery a lot, I think, mm-hmm. and especially in these days with what mm-hmm. culture's talking about, but that would get us off track and we yeah. would go way over the 35 minutes. Let you keep going then <laughs> on that note. <laughs> but you know, um, that, uh, submission really is preceded, uh, by connection. Um, come and follow me. So there's a connection that takes place there too. An invitation, action, submission, but that by submitting to that, they were they were entering into a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. Um, they were going to spend major amounts of time with Jesus, mm-hmm. so there was a connection made. And those first disciples, they connected with Jesus. They connected with each other, yes, but they connected with the Savior. And we have to remember that in the discipleship process, that's what we're inviting people into is to make a connection, not with us, not because we're so great and we're, we've got all it all together. We're inviting people into connection with Jesus. We're connecting yeah. them with him. And, and I think that's important. That's why so much of discipleship needs to center around who he is and yeah. becoming like him. Mm. And, um, and I believe this, and that's why I talked about discipleship earlier, the way that I did, how would you guys respond to this? I don't know if discipleship can happen without relationship. I don't know if discipleship can happen except for through relationship. Let me say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Throwing me off here, man. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think the act, therefore, uh, in the Greek, mathetes, implies a master-servant relationship. Mm. And so it's within relationship that we we become the people we were meant to be. And especially when you look at the rabbi, the rabbi and the, the follower relationship in first century near uh uh ancient near middle east mm. so yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want well, to say something yeah no i i was just thinking too discipleship is going to require submission um which requires uh 
healthy submission requires trust that we trust that authority. So in a, in a relationship, we have the dynamic where submission and trust can take place. You know, whether, whether we're talking about a a mentor and a mentee or a disciple and disciple maker, uh, I know by being in those relationships, there's going to be challenges and discomfort and it's going to be trust that has only been fostered by relationship and time together that encourages us to take the next step in that in that process when we're challenged. And yeah. and the same thing I would say is probably going to take place in our relationship with Jesus. If we don't trust God, uh, it's going to be very hard to know that He's worthy of our submission. But as we grow in that relationship, that's where that's where submission becomes easier. Yeah, that's so good. I'm so glad we have a Greek scholar on here. Too. Oh gosh, no! <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, it's, no, I got, I'm rusty, rusty. <laughs> you awesome. got it, man. You got it. No, that's a good. That's um, a really good question, though. It is know. a good question. Yeah, you know, and those first disciples. I mean, who did they get? They got to follow Jesus. I mean, they got to follow the Savior. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, we have to say what Paul did: "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right. You know, we just have to do the best that we can. And that's, that's why the first question that I asked is like, how am I doing at discipleship? How, where am I in the process? Yeah. Am I following, you know, Christ the way that I should? Am I in an accountability relationship with somebody that's, you know, asking me about whatever prayer or reading or preparation or study or, you know, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. checking me on my attitude, giving, I given people permission to, you know, speak into my life when they see me headed off, mm-hmm. off base you know, yeah. where am I with that? So, uh, so we just have to do the best job that we can, uh, because we follow Christ the best that we can, but then we just have to say others, you know, follow me, I'm going to do the best that I can, but understand that we're all flawed. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have the, we don't have the privilege of following the perfect one, you know, while he was on this earth, yeah. but you know, he's, he knew what was going on. I mean, he, the greatest commission, go into all the world and make disciples. So he trusted those first disciples to be able to make disciples. And so I think he trusts us uh, with that same process as well. So, all right, we got to submission and connection. So the discipleship process, the next step is that submission really leads to transformation. Mm -hmm. If we submit ourselves to Christ, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he was going to make them something that they weren't now. And he used their language. He helped them try to understand uh, a little bit in their language of what he was going to try to do with their lives. But he was giving them a mission, which we're going to get to in a minute. But in order for them to accomplish the mission, they had to be transformed. Mm. And I think once we get to that place of accepting the invitation, taking the action, making the connection with Christ, submitting ourselves, and it's through that submission that we're no longer going our own way, but we're saying yes to Jesus. We're getting into scripture. We're we're understanding how he thought, how he acted, his philosophies, you know, all those things that he lived by. And we're, we're saying, I I need to take on those same characteristics that we are transformed Mm -hmm. by the renewing of our mind, by, by the word and by the example that he set for us. And it's, it's just one decision at a time. But, but that submission to his will transforms us mm. and it starts in our minds and in our hearts. And then it leads out to our words and our actions and all those kinds of things. Um, he said, yeah. instead of, you know, fishing for fish, I'm going to have you fish for men. Mm. And nowadays I think um, 
especially for students and like the generation of students and young adults that we lead, there are so many things that, that people can do. And I think it's important for us to help everybody realize that in our following of Jesus, he's going to take our abilities, the things that we can do, he's going to transform those into something that's going to be for his glory and for his honor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to take the gifts and talents that he's given us, and he's going to transform the way we use them to the way he wants us to use them to influence others as we set the example of Christ before other people, as we become doctors, lawyers, teachers, um, you know, every, anything else, pharmacists and preachers, evangelists, missionaries, entrepreneurs, coffee shop owners, that he takes those passions that we have and he just kind of gives direction toward his mission. Mm. And through that, that whole process of submission, then he transforms, he transforms our minds and we become like him. And uh, I really, really love this part of it mm-hmm. because those early followers of Jesus, after Jesus had gone and the day of Pentecost took place and and Peter, and they get called in before the elders of the church. They listen to everything that Peter says. And, uh, you know, one of the main things that the learned elders said of these people is, you know, you're ignorant and you're unlearned men. Mm-hmm. But we can tell that you've been with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what a statement. So, so, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> all the education that, that you want to get, but have you been with Jesus? Has that connection been made? And, and has that transformed the way that you act? Mm-hmm. Because obviously it transformed Peter. It transformed the disciples. And that's, that's the same process that's going gonna, gonna to transform us too. And uh, he's going to continually make us, you know, into the image, into the image that we need to be displaying to all the world, which is the image of Christ. And we, you know, we call ourselves Christians and originally little Christ, they were calling, they were calling these people little, Oh, you're like little Christ walking around here. Yes. Mm. May that be, may that be said of, of the church and the followers of Christ. And, um, and so, yeah, transformation takes place. Yeah. I don't know if that no, proves anything. I no, want to take that's a breath great. every once in a while. No, yeah, good. that's great. I was just like, what's next? Yeah. Cause <laughs> I know you've got the next is. Mission. Yep, sorry. Transformation births mission. I love that. I love transformation that. births mission. There's there's only one reason for the transformation taking place, mm. and that's to be on on mission. Jesus said, "I came not to be served, but I came to serve. I came to seek and save the lost." So if we're going to follow after Christ, that's what we have to be about. And um, I. Forgive me for this illustration being a little bit old, but uh, I love every once in a while, especially when I feel like I'm getting off, I listen to a little Keith Green. Oh. I know a lot of people aren't going to know Keith Green, <laughs> but uh, you should Google him or something. But one of his songs, he's like a prophet. He just like kicks me <laughs> in the direction that I need to be going every once in a while. Um, <laughs> but he says, he makes the statement, Jesus commands us to go. Mm-hmm. It should be the exception if we stay. Oh, so as followers of Christ, we are on mission and we are on mission everywhere we go. 
That's good. You know, we can't afford not to be. And so uh, Jesus calls them to a commitment, the great commission to go. And now, now that you are disciples, now that you are following me, now that you are submitted, now that you are connected to me, now that you are transformed, now go out and transform. Now go out and make disciples. And, um, and so my fear is this for the church of today in, in the United States that I, the church that I know of a little bit is there aren't enough leaders. And I use that term in, in the way that our society does. There aren't enough leaders that themselves who have gone through this process to turn around and then make disciples. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons discipleship isn't happening is because there aren't um, disciples that have, that feel confident enough. And I don't think that's the key, but feel equipped enough. We haven't talked about it enough to where they feel like they can turn around in and make disciples because they're not confident in their following of Jesus. And not that we should ever be confident in that, but we can be confident in the one that called us and the one that saved us and the one that's transformed us to be able to then reproduce and multiply and, and make disciples ourselves. So, uh, so that transformation births mission. If we're following Christ, we can't help but be on mission. Right. We can't yeah. help but be talking to people about Jesus. We can't help but be, you know, setting the example in what we do, but also in what we say, right. inviting people to church and, and uh, you know, just those kinds of things in, in the process of making other disciples. Yeah. And so then I added that seventh one, and I'll just kind of, none of this happens. You know, I, I tried to end everything with kind of the shun, but nothing else happens. None of this happens without a decision. <laughs> so that's the best thing I could come up with because it all, it starts and ends with it. Every day we've got to get up. We've got to decide. Mm. It started with a decision. Those first followers, Peter, James, Andrew, John. Yes, I will follow. Yes, mm. I will connect. Yes, I will submit. Yes, I will. I'm willing to be transformed. Yes, I'm willing to be on mission. And I think if you took all of those again and just, you can see where one day we might be struggling with this part in the process. And the next day we might be struggling with this part in the process yeah. and the next day, Oh, we're feeling really good. And so we're up here doing this part, but that's all, it's all a part of the process, yeah. but it happens every day as we just decide and we might've blown it yesterday, mm. but today we get up and we decide, Hey, how am I going to act today? Who am I going to follow today? Am I going to follow Christ? Am I going to follow the latest Netflix or am I going to follow the latest influence, latest mm. influencer? Who am I going to follow? Every day we have to make that decision in the discipleship process. Every day we have to pick up our cross, yeah. follow Jesus. So as a as a disciple of His, so it all begins and ends, you know, with a with a decision. Yeah. So that's, good. that's kind of the seven seven things that I've I'm putting out there as a framework, maybe for biblical, you know, discipleship. As Jesus kind of gave us His example as His first followers. Well, it's encouraging too because it reminds me that I don't have to get it right every time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me that this is the journey of following my my savior, my king, my author and authority, mm-hmm. is that every day I can decide in, in anew. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I don't have to get it perfect every day thinking about actually following someone or the journey. You know, some days I'm following closer, some days I'm a little further behind. It doesn't mean that I'm not following, but my desire is to always follow as close as I can. Yeah. And, you know, I love this that idea, of, like you said, Darren, Maybe you didn't get it right yesterday, but thank God that his mercies are new every morning, right? And yes. and, and we're told Paul dies to himself daily. So there's, there is that daily commitment 
that's that's really really good so yeah that's good darren what would be um i love the process and i would say as we start to kind of wind down a little bit what would be a few things in your walk with jesus that have been very helpful for you and maybe kind of take uh give us snapshots of different seasons of your life so maybe when you were a teenager then maybe when you were in your 20s and maybe when you were you know as you were you had uh your kids were growing up and things like that because we have a wide range of uh listeners Mm -hmm. so maybe a couple of practical practices or things that helped you um not only in your walk with jesus but also to walk with um one another um or another so yeah that's a big question. So, yeah, no, that's good. And I'll try to try to keep it, it brief and just a couple of different points maybe. But just even in growing up, you know, I had eight youth pastors pretty much in like junior high, high school and part of college. Wow. So they were kind of in and out. And there was nobody that, that intentionally like even spoke to me about spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard sermons. I heard sermons on Wednesday night, Sunday, Sunday school. Um, I heard a lot about Jesus, but having a relationship with him, walking with him, growing in him, I thought that that was just kind of happening in me because I was around all of it, Mm -hmm. but there was no intentionality. So I I would say that there were, there were examples that were very fleeting, Mm -hmm. you know, in my life, uh, as far as somebody to follow in their following of Jesus. Mm -hmm had great parents. My grandparents were, were godly, had a great heritage of following the Lord, but nobody kind of invited me into that. So uh, that's, that's real formative for me. Mm-hmm. And so the first person that really did that is after I became a youth pastor, wow. my pastor kind of started discipling me. Wow. My pastor started uh, talking to me about the things of the Lord, talking to me about ministry, talking to me about prayer, talking to me about worship that I was leading, talking to me about preaching my sermons, talking to me about, about my quiet time, having me read books and talking about the book that we were reading. And so really it was, I only worked for one pastor for seven and a half years. Well, I started off with one and uh, he only made it like a few months with me. And then, then, then he had to leave. He couldn't handle me anymore. But that next pastor I worked with for about seven and a half years and um and really he intentionally discipled me mm-hmm. and I saw what that process did. So, uh, so I tried, you know, with youth sponsors and with students, I tried to, you know, really encourage that discipleship process and pick kids up after school and ask them hard questions and, you know, not just, not just make it about coming to church and then playing games and having worship or whatever, but really trying to get these students to think about where they're at I didn't call it the process of discipleship then, but in their following of Jesus and in the spiritual disciplines and encouraging those and sharing those with students. And then as I became a district youth director, my focus really became on making sure that youth pastors were in that process Mm. of discipleship. And that's when I started. And I know I've talked to Sean about this. I started a group called the path Mm. and really we wanted, the idea was to grow together personally and professionally Mm -hmm. But you know that the professional doesn't happen well unless the personal is happening well. Right. So the most important thing that we could do for others is make sure that they're spiritually in a good place. They're spiritually healthy. Mm-hmm. They're spiritually practicing those disciplines. And so that's when I really, really turned it around 
um, to, I think one of the, one of the best things I've ever done is just invite people into that relationship. And we, we grew together, we cried together, we prayed together. We just became a tight knit group of people every year, every cohort. It was just so special Mm -hmm. because we entered that process together. And um, so there's just kind of maybe a few of the different ways that I've tried to practice it throughout the, throughout the years. Yeah, that's really cool. I was kind of thinking while you're talking, I'm like, okay, so uh, we, like Sean said, we do have a wide range of listeners, but I I was kind of maybe a final question I had was, um, what would you say to a teenager wanting to begin discipling people? And I asked that because I think um, when I think about teenagers, they're going to be, they're going to perceive themselves as not being equipped, not having the resources, maybe not having followed Jesus long enough to even do that. And then by responding, I think, to a teenager, I think we can we can respond to young adults and those who are even older that would, would have some of the same struggles. And so maybe just if you could simplify that with a short answer of how to maybe get started even there. Learn something today and pass it on. So, I mean, that's uh, yeah. every day when you open up the scripture, learn something. It's, it's, and there's a process to studying God's word, but you open up the scripture and something stands out. You're like, oh, I, I've read that before, but I never heard it that way. I never thought of it that way. And, and of course, you're praying that the Holy Spirit will enlighten you as you read scripture. But so student, just pick up the Bible, read something. Maybe you read it for the first time or maybe it was a reminder. Well, then you're like, oh, that was really good. So you learn something today. You learn something about God. You learn something about Jesus. You learn something about how you're supposed to think or learn something about how you're supposed to act or how you're supposed to treat people and then pass that on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, hey, you know what I read today? Hey, you know what I discovered today? Hey, I, I, I thought about this today. And I don't, have you ever thought about this? And so just talk about, so, so you don't have to be the expert in anything. You just have to learn something today, talk to somebody else about what you learned. And so that means we're growing every day. We're learning something, we're discovering something, but then we're making sure that we're passing that on to somebody else too, so that they don't have to wait 20 years to learn that. You know, it might take, it might take 20 or 30 years before they read that passage of scripture, but you're going to share something with somebody that day or more than one person that day, something that you learned, you know, in your, in your time in the Bible and your time, in the word and your time in worship and your time in prayer. And you're just, you're just telling somebody else about it. You're telling a friend about it. Um, You're telling somebody that you're sitting next to in, in math class and you overhear them talking about their parents fighting the, Mm. you know, that day. And, Mm. and you read about the peace of God that passes understanding. Hey, I read about this peace of God that you can have. And, and we don't understand why things. And so you just Mm. kind of pass it on. So learn and pass it on. I think that's, almost the essence of the discipleship process. It's such a good it's response good. too, because as I hear that you, you brought so much hope cause I go, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I, same thing. And, and that's so encouraging because the, I think intimidation stops us from taking a step. And to ju- so just to hear what you just said and say, I can do that. I would encourage everyone yeah. um, listening to just take that. That's all we took away. That was great. Yeah. What a, a great takeaway. Um, thank you, Darren Poe. <laughs> Yes. The man, the dude. <laughs> I so appreciate the, 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 the seven steps there. Then we can even probably link those and um, mm-hmm. put them in our show notes. And so people can kind of look at that and uh, appreciate you being on with us. And, um, 
Yeah, maybe. My pleasure. Yeah, maybe just uh, maybe as we sign off, what's one one thing you'd like to say as we sign off? Maybe we'll give you the last word. Uh, just you know, do something today. Yeah. And we talked about following, you know, sometimes we're following the wrong things. You know, the right path that you need to be on. If you've, if you've been around church, if you've heard about the Lord, if we're even, you're even thinking about discipleship, you know who you're supposed to follow, you know who you've been following. So, so just check that, like, who are you following? And if you're not just get back on track, it's just as simple as, as one decision. So just make sure you're following the right person today. And that right person, obviously is uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you, you heard it here, Darren. Thank you so much for joining us. And to, to those listening, we just want to say thank you so much as well for being a part of this journey with us. And if, if this conversation has been valuable to you, we always love a rating and review. It helps us. It helps the show go forward so other people can discover these conversations because we know we need them as a church together. And so I would just encourage you, as Darren said, you know, learn something pass it on and our invitation always is to invite someone around the table with you and uh, that could be a great opportunity to to pass something on to someone as well so uh, god bless you and until our next episode uh, just keep discipling